How would you like to get a shout out once a week instead of once a month? You can do that. Just join our producer level over at patreon.com slash radio, and we'll give you a shout out at the beginning of each show. So connected to the world of Nintendo, even Link knows where to find us. Infendo Radio is on now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Infendo Radio, episode 512. My name is Eugene, or it would be if he were here. Actually, my name is Lucas, because Eugene is dying of exhaustion from flying on a plane for several hours. Um, I am, however, joined by two of our regular co-hosts who are almost always here. Justin, how are you doing tonight, good sir? Snooch to the motherfucker! All right. Um, Steve, how are you doing tonight? I liked your background until about four seconds ago. Oh, and for all those people who are listening on the audio-only podcast and have no idea what this background you speak of is, how you doing? Good lord. I'm good. I'm good. Well, um, I don't know yes. where to go with that. Eugene, Eugene is absent from the show tonight, unfortunately, which means Steve has the awesome responsibility of hosting. And I'm hosting from it from the chaotic side. side. I'm hosting it from a front-facing <laughs> side, and Justin and I'm gets to. It from the side. Yeah, Justin gets to just ruin everything as we go along. Um, mm-hmm. However, folks that are not ruining the show and are in fact making it better would be our lovely producers, which is why before we mm-hmm. go any farther, I want to give a big thank you to the five of them. Big thank you to Andrew Searson, the Brianosaurus, Sky Pharaoh, EP Knothead, and Phantom. Thanks for making this show something that we can continue to do. We really appreciate it. Um, with that, we're going to be talking about a brand new app that just launched very, very recently. So we will be right back and we'll have something to say about that. Do you live, breathe, and die in Fendo Radio? For 50 bucks a month, you get access to our highest level perks. Head on over to patreon.com slash radio and get started today. And we are back. Um, the very first thing we want to talk about before we get too deep into this episode of Infendo Radio is I think the new Mario Kart app just launched. Was it today? Was it yesterday? I've been seeing ads for it all so, week. So but... there was a funny thing that happened. It was supposed to launch this morning. Apple put it on the App Store last night when it when the servers weren't even live yet. So it actually launched this morning. And a bunch of people downloaded it and went, this game is broken! What the hell, Nintendo? Fix your crap! Pretty much, yeah. Okay, cool, good. Good to know. Yeah, that's exactly how I found out it was out this morning on Twitter. Good to know the (laughs) gaming community is as stalwart as ever. Um, So yeah, Mario Kart Tour is a game that came out. I played a little bit of it. I asked you both to play a little bit of it before we started because it seemed like a good thing to talk about since it just happened to launch on a day we were doing a show. Um, I'll go ahead and start here. I've played, um, I guess technically what counts as a cup. The Mario Cup, I believe, is the first one. I've done four levels of that. Um, for those of you who haven't downloaded the app yet, it's played through touch controls, which is a little weird and a little hard to use. Um, there are two ways to play the game. You can either play on beginner, which just lets you steer... Or you can play on Expert, which is the recommended difficulty, which makes you drift when you turn. Um, I started on Expert because I played Mario Kart a lot. Humble bragging. I, I play a lot of Mario Kart, guys. Um, and it's not... Yeah, do we want to talk about our win-loss ratio? Yeah. <laughs> well, well and, and speaking of, it's not. I'm finding it, it's not that hard to do well in. 
Um, it kind of forces you to stay on the course unless you're like boosting to do like a shortcut. Like I did Mario Circuit from the SNES and on that level, it, it pretty much keeps you on the track. But when I used a mushroom to get a boost, it would let me go through the track, like through the, the sand to get to another area. Um, I'm, I'm doing decent. I've, I've gotten all five shine sprites or superstars or whatever they are on the four courses that I played. Um, mostly took first and second, I think, in the races I did. So, I mean, I'm, I'm playing it mostly like normal Mario Kart, but it still feels harder to play. It, it feels like I'm not... I don't have as much control as I would like. Yeah, I... I I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt. I just kind of want to piggyback off of it, though. But, yeah, I did the same thing. I played it in Expert. Pardon the noise. I was moving my microphone. I started playing it in Expert, and it just felt... Like, I had no control over it. Um, just, I came in first place by some miracle, but I just felt like I was, like, fishtailing all over the track. Yeah, um, I, I, one of the things that I'm finding weird, and maybe you have to, like, touch the cart to use the item, and that's part of the problem, but I find that when I'm turning, I'll use items accidentally because, you know, the touch is the, the same thing. So, so um, when I, like, I'll try to make a turn and I'll end up shooting a red shell in front of me or something like that. Um, yeah, when I was doing the tutorial, they say you tap the screen to use an item. It just says the screen. It doesn't say your cart. And when you're trying to, you know, swipe left and right quickly... Gently, gently you, turn, yeah. You accidentally tap it because your phone screen is so sensitive, and that's where the majority of my items went. Well, I, I tap... accidentally fired. I tap on purpose, too, because you don't want to... I mean, left and right works great when you're trying to drift, but sometimes you just want a little nudge in one direction or the yeah, other. Yeah, that was where I was having trouble. I'll, I'll do, like, tap, 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 tap to get my character to, like, line up and stuff, and yeah. So it's um, it's going to be a learning curve. I, I don't really know... <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I don't really know why you would play this game over Mario Kart 8 other than novelty, I guess. I mean, like, the, the New York course is cool, and I'm sure there's a few more new courses. I like there are new racers. You can play as Pauline. You can play as Mario in the musician outfit. Um, Peachette is in there, and I want to unlock her, and she'll probably be the one. She that was the character the I started with was Peachette. See, I got Toad, My, and I got and then I got Toadette, Peach. and then the first one I locked was Peach. I got Toad and Peach. Okay, so yeah, so I'm looking for Peachette, but. Um, but yeah, and that's that's the other thing. I mean, if you combine my two, you know, I've got Peachette. So. Well, yeah. well, that's the other thing about um, this game that's a little frustrating, and it makes sense because it's Mario Kart, or, or not Mario Kart, because it's a mobile game. Right. But um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's hidden behind that paywall, and like you know, you're going to be able to unlock it all just by playing, but you're going to have to play a lot, and it it seems like Nintendo's finally getting good at like making mobile games feel like mobile yeah. games because there's a lot of stuff which, I want and I don't want to pay for it all. Yeah, which I wouldn't necessarily call a good thing because well, one no, of the they're getting I, good at it. Yeah, it's not a good thing because <laughs> that's one of the well, things I loved about um, you know Super Mario Run was that you just plunk down ten dollars or five dollars if you got it on sale and you have everything and. So if you don't care, you don't spend any money, and whatever. Yeah, so, so let's talk about that for a second. Um, Mario Kart Tour has a season pass for $4.99. I was just going to say that. Where you can buy it, and I wanted to talk about that for a sec, because you as an Android person, and 
I don't mean that offensively, but there's something that you as an Android person are not aware of. That I see Apple it as a I see it as with. a compliment because I didn't <laughs> um, choose to spend. I see it as an observation. So I don't think it phone, really matters. Right. Okay. So here's so hear me out on this. There's a huge problem with the pricing of this game. It's four ninety nine a month for a season pass. That doesn't sound terrible, right? Well, here's the problem. Yes, yes it does. iOS, <laughs> right? iOS 13 came out last week, and with iOS 13 comes Apple Arcade. Apple Arcade works kind of like the Nintendo Switch Online subscription, where you get access to all those games with your monthly subscription. You know how we get the Super Nintendo and the Nintendo games for the 20 bucks a year? Apple Arcade came out last week. They've got 65 games on the arcade right now, and they're supposed to have up to 100 by the end of the first month. Guess how much Apple Arcade is per month? Yeah, four ninety nine. Same price as the Mario Kart Season Pass. So, hmm, would I rather take my five bucks and spend it on Apple Arcade, where I can play the new Shantae or a Frogger or uh, the new Squeenix game, or would I rather play it to or put you know, pay it to get Mario Kart stuff? And let's For a be game honest, that you're I probably not really going to play all that much because thus in far case, it's in, not that good. And in case it wasn't incredibly obvious, I hate this game. I booted it up, I did the the learn Tutorial. how to play it, and I immediately uninstalled the game because I have no intention of ever playing this game again. See, and I didn't even play the tutorial. I just jumped into the, the races. But, um, no, I, I first when I saw the gold pass, I thought that it was like, oh, this is your one time, you know, you pay for it and you get like no, a game. No, sir. That would be that nice. Is, that is $5. Um, if it was $5 permanent, I'd buy it. Five dollars yeah, a month. Here. They now, can go suck it. Now, slightly less opinionated opinion than Steven. Um, I think it's a good <laughs> game, actually. I think as far as Nintendo's mobile games go, it's right up there with Pokemon Go in terms of like it offers something of value. It is a Mario Kart game, essentially on a mobile platform, and there's something to be admired there. Um, <laughs> my point was, I, I don't know why you would choose this over Mario Kart, other than the fact that this is technically free. Well, um, and I think that's that's kind of what the point is, because, I mean, Nintendo has said they want to use their mobile games to promote their console games. So, but, you know, everybody kind of, you know, Mario Kart is kind of a known quantity at this point, even for people who don't keep up with video games. So if somebody who played a lot of Mario Kart on the GameCube or the Wii um, sees there's a Mario Kart game on their phone then they realize hey they're still making mario kart games look there's a new one for the switch then they get i mean i don't know i'd like to see their conversion rates for you know people who go from mobile games to buying a switch but that's ultimately their their goal yeah right i gotta say if i was still stuck at the movie theater and i was just sitting there with nothing to do at a cash register for eight hours no customers or anything this would be a dream come true kind of game you know, because it's like, oh, cool. Now I can just play. I can literally play Mario Kart on my phone. But being somebody who works at home now, it's like, OK, I mean, I could do that or I have a switch. Like, you know, <laughs> but um, also but yeah, no. also keep in mind, too, that if you want to play it at work or whatever, hopefully you've got either good reception at work or your work Wi-Fi doesn't have Nintendo servers blocked or you can't play it at work. Yeah. Well, movie theaters don't really think about that kind of stuff. But um. <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, it, it seems like, from what I've seen, it seems like it's running fine. Um, it's, a, it's a decent game. I'd say it's probably 
you know, not counting Pokemon Go, which is more of a Niantic game than a Pokemon game, I'd say it's probably the best game Nintendo has developed yet on mobile. I mean, it's got its glaring flaws, don't get me wrong, but I mean, Mario Run was pretty basic. Um, God, what else did they even have? Dr. Mario was so good, though. See, I heard a lot. Yeah, I'm enjoying Dr. Mario. I I loved Mario Run. Mario Kart is going to take some getting used to, and I don't know if I'm going to commit to it. Honestly, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's more of a mobile game for people who are looking for something of a bridge between mobile and you know plat or what am I even trying to say home console I guess between mobile and yeah home yeah. console yeah whereas a game like Doctor Mario is pretty much like oh yeah this is clearly a mobile experience like Mario Kart is like oh boy I wish I had my Switch with me right now but I don't so I guess <laughs> I'll play Mario Kart you know yeah. that kind of thing but yeah no I mean it seems fun um. I don't know if I plan to keep playing it very much because, again, if I wanted to play Mario Kart, Mario Kart Eight, but um, we'll see. Maybe I'll get into it. Maybe I'll be bored on a walk and I'll just start playing it or something. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, the advantage like this this has for me, I suppose, is I don't bring my Switch everywhere I go, <clears throat> and I don't have um, Mario Kart Seven digitally. So even if I am carrying my 3DS, I don't necessarily have a Mario Kart with me, but this way I do. So, and I got enough storage on my phone that I don't have to delete apps that I'm not going to use. They can just, Same. you know, they can just clutter up my my flash drive until you know five years from now when it's finally full. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, I guess we'll wait and see what the popular opinion on Mario Kart Tour is in, like, a week or two, because you know the internet's going to be vocal about it. Um, well... The internet? Vocal? Um, we guess we will be right back. We're going to play a little game. It's a game we played last week, but we enjoyed it so much we wanted to do it again. We'll see you real soon. Would you like to play a game? Well, too bad you can't. That's our job. But you can give us some suggestions over at patreon.com slash infendoradio. And welcome back to Infendo Radio. It is time to play a game that we all know and love because we played it a week ago and I hinted at that before the break. We are playing Bad Game Descriptions. We're totally not playing it for a second week in a row because we only have two contestants and this game plays better with two people than most of our other games. That's not the reason at all. Um, the way this game works, if you did miss, miss, if you didn't miss last week's show, is um, I hate mises two pieces. This guy and the other guy are going to have to listen to me read descriptions of video games that are either bad, absurd, or just plain old hilarious. Um, they are then going to have to guess the price of the game on the eShop, with no more information than that bad game description. Whoever gets closest to the price gets a point. We do that for eight rounds or so, and then we all go home, and one of us is a winner, and one of us is a huge loser, and we hate them forever. Um, with that said, we have one patron suggestion. We're going to start with his. It comes from the Brianosaurus. Gentlemen, are you ready to play Bad Game Descriptions? No. As ready right, as I well, can be. I guess we're going back on break. Um, I will... <laughs> Um, one thing I want to preface this with before we get started is something we always try to say on this show. The descriptions of these games may be bad. That means nothing of the actual quality of the game itself. We've discovered more than one gem by playing this game, so I don't want to encourage you guys to think that 
these games are bad just because their descriptions can be hilariously written. So, with that, and we're going to start with... if you want us to edit your descriptions, please send them to tips at infendoradio.com. Yeah, we'd happily uh, have to do that. Um, our first game comes to us from the Brannosaurus, and the description reads... Oh, this is going to be a weird... The description reads... Blank is a clicker game where your main goal is to reach by your avatar the dream weight and improving the empty and sad room in a professional personal gym. Being fit is healthy and fashionable, but our heroes do not have the motivation to get out for exercises, and the room is asking for some small improvements. To motivate your fat guy, the only thing you have to do is to press. And that's um, that. That's it. So, gentlemen, how much would you like to press on your fat guy? <laughs> I'll go um, first. Nine ninety nine. Nine ninety nine. All right, uh, Justin. I don't have nearly as much confidence in whatever this is. I'm gonna go with four ninety nine. <laughs> All right. Well, um. Justin, you have clearly been spending more time pressing your fat guy than Steven because this game actually retails and I can't believe I can't believe I'm about to say this. This game retails for two dollars and twenty-nine cents. Interesting. It's called Gym Hero, Idol Fitness Tycoon. And I hate to do this early, but I think that might be the best description we have for the night. So thank you for that, Brandon. Good lord. Um, Justin, would you be so kind as to keep track of the points for me? Sure, as soon as I get my computer charger. Awesome. All right, well, Justin's got one point, and we're moving into the next round. Ding! Good work. God. All right. I picked this one especially for those of you who know what my dietary habits are like. Oh, jeez. Join Agatha. Believe in carnivorism. Embark on this twisted adventure with Agatha, a child torn between her love for eating meat and her friendships with animals. Join her as she discovers religion and creates her own, carnivorism, to convince the animals that the sacrifice of their flesh is the secret to their eternal happiness. Create your own religion piece by piece with this uniquely colorful and handcrafted world. Tackle controversial topics through the eyes of a child in this satirical adventure that lures you to the dark corners of everyday life. Meet the peculiar characters of the Blank series and uncover their stories that unfold as you progress through your quest. Explore this crazy universe and unlock up to 30 secret achievements. Choose your playstyle, allowing you to switch seamlessly between touchscreen and controller modes. Gentlemen, how much does this pork-filled adventure um, sell for on the eShop? Uh, Justin, you're going I, first this time. I, I should know because I'm pretty sure this game is in my wish list, but I have not the foggiest, so I'm just going to go with my standby 4.99 and hope that it's somewhere around there. All right. Um, Steven, do you have a guess? Yeah. I like Agatha. She seems like her and I would be good friends. We both enjoy eating meat. Yeah, I got that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with 7.99. I, I could... Yeah, I know you could, Justin. You could, but you're not going to because Steve gets the point. Um, <laughs> Agatha Knife, which is part of the Psychotic Adventures series, goes for eleven ninety nine. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Part of a series? Yeah, Psychotic Adventures. The other one was Mechanica, 
or Mechanica. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Yeah, I guess this isn't the game that I thought it was, but uh, Steve, your mom enjoys eating meat. There, I couldn't resist. Continue Uh, the game. Eugene, edit that out. All right, the score is one to one. Moving on to the third round. Oh, boy, here we go. Um, I want to do a voice for this one. Blank has transformed into a sexy pinball game on the Nintendo Switch. Not the voice Switch. I was expecting. Bounce your ball along the curves of a crazy theme park, starring just, a ninja girl who thinks she's an animal. I need Justin to be in this visual with me. All I can see right now is SpongeBob. Continue. Yep, you heard right. Music note. Feel every shake and bounce with the HD rumble feature. Build up points to unlock special challenges, which showcase the girl's charms. <laughs> the usual features of the franchise are here, too, including dress-up, diorama, and intimacy mode. Customize your favorite characters and enjoy some high-quality pinball with them, heart. Featuring the accessories galore set, with 30 bonus accessories included for free, <coughs> exclamation point. Gentlemen, how much does this super sexy, super sexy pinball game go for on the eShop? Steven? I hate you so much. Well, considering that most of those dress-up games go for around 10 bucks, I'm going to $9.99. All right, $9.99. Justin? I I think they're more ambitious than this. I'm going with eleven ninety nine. Wow, you're both really lowballing it, but Justin is significantly higher than Steve in this case. Um, this is part of that Senran Kagura Sexy Ninja series of video games. This sells for forty dollars and it's Why are called, these all series? It's called like, Why Peach do they make Ball? more than one of these? In $40 case you for a in, sexy pinball game? In case you couldn't get it, and I apologize I, I, to our podcast listeners who don't watch the Twitch stream, um, you play pinball on this stage, and there are, like, high school ninja girls, like, walking around on all fours on the stage, and I think you have to hit them with the ball, and it does, it, it makes it What sexy. the hell is wrong with Japanese people? So that's a thing. Um, that's our next game that we're going to play on next week's show. Um, however... For this week, we're going on to round four, and you'll be happy to know this game is also very Japanese. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Teach Shogi to the Onidari girls and get to know them better. Yeah. The Onidari girls are Shogi novices. When they face a different situation, they request a do-over or hint. Accept their requests to get along with the girls. When you get to know them better... You will receive a special treat, dot, dot, dot. Equipped with a function that helps you feel like you can teach the girl shogi, even if you're a beginner. Shogi game for adults. Um, it, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read these anyway, even though it's gonna take like an hour. I apologize. It, it, can, it actually goes into descriptions. Can I get clarification on something? Yeah. Is shogi that chess-like game that's played with the kanji tiles? Okay. It absolutely is, yes. All right, all right. We're on the same page here. Okay. All right. Important detail. Onidari girls, in, in, get ready for this. Uh, your girlfriend in 2.5 dimensions. Sato Irie. Birthday, March 4th. Height, 149 centimeters. Measurements, breast 88, 
waist 59, hip 85 centimeters. Likes, games, animation, theater, baking sweets. Dislikes, vegetables. Comments, I started to cosplay. Please get to know me better. Please take care of me. Mighty Rabbit, Uno Wee. Birthday, January 5th. Height, 165 centimeters. Measurements, breast, 80. Width, 58. Height, height. Oh, hip, 88. Likes, rabbits, strawberries, the color pink, idols, chocolates, sushi. Dislikes, bugs, asparagus, coriander leaves, celery, hot days. Comments, I'm Yui Uno. Please call me Uno-chan. It would make me so happy to get to know you better. Okay, let's do it again. And the last one, ideal mistress type cosplayer, Hanamiya Inori. Birthday, January 18th. Height, 164 centimeters. Measurements, this is, huh, these are different. T, 92. U, 70. Parentheses, underbust. H, 95 centimeters. Likes, cosplay, sushi, chocolate. All these girls (laughs) like chocolate. Dislikes, bugs, ghosts, vegetables. All these girls hate vegetables. Comments. (laughs) I'm Inori Hamiyama. I'm half Japanese and half Chinese cosplayer. I would be happy if you played with me. Be nice to me. Attention, the language used in this game is Japanese. Okay, guys, what does um, this game that, if you've forgotten, is about playing shogi? <laughs> what does it sell so for on the eShop? Um, I don't know. Where did Cookie Monster come from? That was, he's, the third, that, he's the third girl. He's best girl. That was, that was unsettling. Uh, guys, that description was so long, I forgot who went first last time. <laughs> no, it's Justin's turn. Yeah, I vividly remember. Yeah, um... Oh, I feel like this is actually... I don't know. I'm just gonna go for it. 1999, because... Reasons. Good year. Good year. Steven. I hate this game so much. Let's go with 999. Alright, well, um, Steven, it looks like you're gonna get to stay after school and tutor some girls in the fine art of Shogi, because it's a 799 game. Really? Fun fact, those creepy descriptions about the girls' um, hip and bust and everything, those are actual girls. Like, they're photographs of actual Japanese girls. They're not like cartoon characters or anything. So that makes it even creepier. I was waiting for blood type, honestly. Yeah, I know. I'm always surprised when they don't include that. AB positive. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed descriptions of characters that you're kind of sort of dating in games because... Hoo-wee! We got another one coming up for you next! Justin, are you sensing a theme? <laughs> um, the theme Lucas always has, Japanese as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin, real quick, I'm pretty sure I know this, but could you refresh us on the score before we go any farther? Uh, sure. Steve and I are tied at two and equally befuddled. That's super <laughs> exciting for me. All right, and we only have three rounds left because I could only find eight of these amazing games. So, um... Get ready. 3,000 games. He can only find eight. (coughs) It all started with a sin. Your love story with the frighteningly beautiful gods of the stars. The story. Your days are dreamless and mundane until one night you notice a star sparkling in the heavens. Suddenly, the beautiful gods of the stars appear before you. Their goal? To erase their sins. This exquisite, heart-rending, true love all began with a sin. Characters. 
God of Libra, Zagalvis, God of Scorpio, Scorpio, God of Aries, Creoth, God of Virgo, Parthenon, God of Gemini, Dwi, or DUI, we know what he's been up to in his free time, and God of Pisces, Ichthysis. Contents includes main stories in the app Love365, Find Your Story. S1 Prologue, Main Story, His POV. Epilogue, Sequel, Sequel His POV. Sequel Epilogue, Musings on Love. S2 Prologue, A Promise of Infinity, and A Promise of Infinity His POV. Notices, 1. The following characters' musings on love are not included. Carno, Agnorius, Kreoth, Toxaluv, and Parthenon. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Two, a promise of infinity, his POV, is only available in English. Gentlemen... How Steve, much you're first. This, how much does this wonderful gem of a game cost? Oh. <laughs> I don't think that was a game. I thought you were reading the nutritional values on a can of soda. Jesus. A dollar ninety nine. All right, Justin. I want. I want my hour back from that. Justin, how much? How much would you pay to go on a dream date with these gods from the stars? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't I don't even know what I just heard. Um I don't know, two ninety nine. Right. Um this game that I can't get the full name of because it's too long on the eShop, so I'm just going to say Starcrossed Myth, the department of dot 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 sells for twenty nine ninety nine, gentlemen. Yay, I win. Congratulations, Wait, Justin. <laughs> I, I already forgot who said what. I I don't even know what I was guessing. That was what? Oh, by the way, the also, game that I thought Lucas was describing earlier was Shanky the Vegan's Nightmare. So. I would also like it known that Andy has said, Lucas, well done for getting as far as you did before breaking down. Thank you. I appreciate Justin it. Justin and I didn't make it nearly as far. Always nice to have a kind word. Because it just became things. word salad after a while. <laughs> All right, well, maybe this one will help. Um, maybe this one will help out, guys. Get ready. Um, ah. In order to achieve our dreams of entering the second dimension, we will be working together with the original creators of Blank to create a VR animation. Story. Kraft Lawrence is a traveling merchant who meets Holo, a beautiful woman who can transform into a wolf. As they travel together, they face many hardships, such as having to walk in the rain. In order to avoid the sudden downpour, Holo and Lawrence take shelter in an old abandoned watermill in the woods. They huddle around a small fire and enjoy a slightly strange but relaxing time together. You're able to share that time together with them. Production staff, scenario, Isuna Hasakura. Character design, Ju Ayakura. Hollow's CV, Amy Koshimizu. Kraft Lawrence's CV, Jun Fukuyama. This product's content can be enjoyed without Toy-Con VR goggles. Gentlemen, you don't need Toy-Con VR goggles to play this game, but how much do you have to pay to get it on the eShop? It's all you, Justin. 
I don't know. <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't know. Five sixty-seven. Good guess. Good guess. Well, I'll go um, with seven ninety-three. All right, and uh, the actual retail price of this game is twenty-four ninety-nine. <laughs> so, so Stephen. So there's that twenty-five dollar game that that. Lucas was telling us about. Yeah. Bing. Oh my god. Um. Wow. This has been such a remarkably intense round. You guys are tied at three to three. We have two games left, and I'm honestly not sure which one to... Okay, I'm going with this one first. <clears throat> I'm breaking out the old standby for this one. Yes. This is why we do this game. Excite Adventure Game. Blank is an easy, simple, but challenge game. Just control the ball through a variety of obstacles. Do not touch other colors. It would make balls suction more powerful when you attracted more balls. Let me just read that one more time so you guys can hear that. It would make balls suction more powerful when you attracted more balls. No music, but game sound that makes you relax and idle. Not only can use control stick to, that's one word, stick to, not only can use control stick to enjoy all levels, but also can control the ball by touching screen at the same time. Gentlemen, how much does this game that advertises not having music as a feature in the description <laughs> um, retail for on the eShop? Steven? 74 cents. <laughs> Justin? I mean, I was going to go with a dollar. I'm just going to stick with it. All right. Well, um, yeah, Justin's got it. This this no-sound experience retails for seven ninety nine. All right. It's Seriously? called Ball Attraction. If anybody wants to give that a go. <clears throat> I do not want that finally, in my search history. We finally found a game on a Nintendo console that we can't use for Nintendoons. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. That is true. Well, technically, we can just use the relaxing sound of the ball attracting that's not, the suction. Well, I, I mean, that's pushing it. I mean, it's called Nintendoons. But yeah, I guess you're right. <clears throat> right. Well, I have one we'll just, left. Yeah. Um, if Steve gets it, we go into maximum overdrive tiebreak around. And I have to hurry to find another game. Um, but if not then, Justin, you win this game, and you should be really proud of yourself for that. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm proud of that. <clears throat> hang on to your seatbelts, boys and girls. <clears throat> a third-person shooter with a twist. Tiny but mighty alien shooters come to save their planet by invading a girl's dormitory. Save the world! When their home planet, Pandemo, comes under attack, Usameru and Kamaru travel to Earth to study humans and learn enough to save their home. Oh no, giant girls everywhere! The Pixies infiltrate a girl's dormitory where everything is giant, including the girls they've come to study. I hate it when that happens. It's a third-person shooter with a twist. Your weapons are loaded with happy bullets with positive effects. Use them to gather information from the girls. Exploration galore. As you roam through the rooms, you'll come across strange objects, including squids, and challenges as you play through the story. 
Ready for action! Each character has a set weapon type, handgun or assault rifle. Choose wisely. Three stage types. Search and combat, pacification, and bathing. Each with a different objective. Sniper vantage points. Every stage has sniper vantage points, where your bullets drastically increase in power. Stealth is key. The girls must never find you. Make sure to watch the sight and listen gauges so they don't catch you. Go shopping! Get new scopes, weapons, and costumes for the pixies to wear. Gentlemen, how much does this third-person shooter with a twist that takes place at a girl's dormitory where you shoot happy bullets and watch them bathe cost on the Nintendo eShop? A life sentence in prison? (laughs) God, is it me first this time, Justin? Uh, It's Justin first. first. Oh, it is me first? I'm pretty sure. Um, Yeah, you're right. All right, I I remember this game. Excuse me? I remember a discussion about this game either on Twitter or in our Discord or something. But I can't remember the price. I'm going to go out on a limb and say $30. Steven. $7.99. All right, well, that takes away that uh, suspense. Um, well, big, big congratulations, Justin, Gun Gun Pixies, um, by, published by P-Cube, sells for forty nine ninety nine and is rated oh, no. M. I could never imagine why. I then know, this right? isn't the game that I was thinking, because the game that I was thinking of, the discussion we had was how the hell did this game only get a T rating? But, all right. No, this was an M game. Uh, Justin, congratulations! You won arguably um, the most respected round I'm not, of I'm bad not, game descriptions we've ever played. I'm not proud oh, of you, winning this game at all. You should be very proud, Justin. It's and now I'm watching the trailer for Ball Attraction. <laughs> Just remember, the suction improves as you attract more balls. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. The, the trailer has music. Ashley and Fendo hosts a question. Any question. There are no limits. Just go to patreon.com slash infendoradio, and at the $3 level, ask us anything. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. We played some wholesome, down-to-earth, good Christian intent tunes. Everybody had a good time. Nobody was insulted or, or lost their minds in the middle of a game description. And now it's time to... Do the question block, which is the part of the show where you ask us questions and we answer them. Used to be Nintendo questions, now it's weird things like how many sausages can you eat in one sitting, or if you had wings, who would you murder in prison? Um, Our first question comes to us from Slacker Monkey, and Steve, you want to take that away for us? Yeah. Slacker Monkey writes in, you are given all rights and funding to bring back one dead IP from Nintendo. Look at that, we get a Nintendo question. Which one would you like to see brought back, and which developer would you commission to make the new game? If it wasn't already clear, it can be any developer, not just people who have worked with or for Nintendo in the past. Ooh. Which I peel it back? Man. Sorry, I'm distracted by watching the trailer for Gun Gun Pixies. Um. <laughs> well, un- unfortunately, uh, most most of mine have already come back in some way, shape, or form. 
I mean, I've already got mine, so um, well, go I'll ahead. just jump Maybe out I'll give there. me an idea. And this was a multi-platform <clears throat> IP anyway, but I want Time Splitters back. Um, we'll we'll never get um, another game like the original um, GoldenEye, and it's up in the air whether we'll get Perfect Dark. But if we can get Time Splitters, that's fine with me. Collection, sequel, whatever. Um, <clears throat> I, so I actually have kind of an interesting one. It's not necessarily an IP, but rather a game. I want to see LEGO Dimensions come back. Because now that I have my LEGO Minecraft collection, I think having a LEGO collection I could use in a video game would be fun. But unfortunately, nobody really does the Toys to Life thing anymore, except for Nintendo. And even Nintendo doesn't do much with Amiibo anymore. Yeah, I have something very <clears throat> infuriating to say about that when we get to change the system. <clears throat> um, would either of you like to choose your developer? Because that was also part of the question. Yeah, I want mine done by Nintendo. Just that way we could get... We, it, it could be the first time we could get Nintendo themed Legos. Like, think about that. It could be the Amiibo-style crossover game we always wanted, but in Lego form. So you get your Lego Bowser, you get your Lego Link, finally. Maybe a Lego uh, Donkey Kong. So, Nintendo would be I mean, developer. Traveler's <clears throat> Tales pretty much owns the Lego game license, but Nintendo well, published... Um, Lego City Undercover originally, so I mean, there's still the possibility of Nintendo well, going to them and saying, "Hey, we want you to make this game just for us." So, <clears throat> yeah, and you know, it didn't say what would be likely. It says, "What would you want?" So that's what I want. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think because obviously, I would want the original. Uh, what were they? Free Radical developers on a time splitters game but i don't know where about, they are at this point like they left what about rare Id? started really what what about id if it's they if they did the new time splitters no because no? they do a completely different type of first person shooter like i want time splitters to be that old school late 90s first person shooter you know like 10 minute mission based you know levels and stuff like that like I, like I feel like first person shooters have gotten too far away from that and I want to bring that back but I want the people who did it so well to come back so like they left mm -hmm. Rare and started Free Radical Free Radical got bought by um, Crytek became Crytek UK and then they went belly up and then the company got bought by another developer so i don't even know where those people are i don't know if any of them ended up at platonic so what he's saying is he wants those people yes i want they those don't have people a studio yet he just wants those people that did right i want the people i don't care what name they're developing under i just want the people who made golden eye and time splitters to come back and make another time splitters all right, well, I'm going to be the only one to answer Slacker Monkey's actual question, which was, if you could revive any dead Nintendo IP, which one would it be? And I'm choosing Kid Icarus, because that's a Nintendo IP that I think is dead at this point. 
and I want it back. Um, and in response to the second part of his question, where he says if you could bring any developer on and commission them to work on the game, doesn't have to have been someone who worked for Nintendo, who would it be? I would like to commission myself to work on the game because then I'd have a job working for Nintendo on a new Kid Icarus game. So I'm going to do that because this is a what-if situation. So I choose, I choose Kid Icarus and me as my answers. I like it. See, I misunderstood the question, and I'm trying to think what Nintendo IP that I care about is dead. <laughs> See, that's the tricky thing. I can only think of that and Banjo, and Banjo isn't technically a Nintendo IP, so... Wait a second. Uh-oh. Nope. Nope, that's not a Nintendo IP. It was just a game that appeared on a Nintendo console. What about Little Nemo? I don't, don't think know. that was a Nintendo See, that's the problem, is not a lot of Nintendo IPs are dead. Right. Mm. Well, all right, Slacker, you kind of sort of have your answer, buddy. <laughs> um, Steve, you want to just go on to the next question? I don't think we're going to find yeah. any more Nintendo IPs here. Yeah. Um, the Brianosaurus writes in, you can meet one person at any point in history non-fictional. You can ask them one question of your choosing. What would it be? Uh, what, who would it be? What is that question? And why? That's, um... Oh, boy. Yeah, I should have read that ahead of time so I could have had an answer prepared. I read it ahead of time, and and my answer is controversial, so I'm trying to think of a different one. I also (laughs) have a kind of controversial answer. Well, I could, I could go with the dick move and just say Trump and say, why are you our president? <laughs> okay, but I think the, the connotation... But that's not a serious answer. <laughs> I also think the connotation here is somebody right. who's no longer with us. Yeah. I mean, my go-to... I want to. I want to hear your go-to because I want to know if it's the same as mine. Well, my go-to is usually Walt Disney, but now that I stop and think about it, I'm going to go with... Abraham Lincoln. We went in very different directions. Um, because, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm just fast. I just find him a fascinating man. And what would I ask him? I would beg I him to you. run for president again. He can run for another term, can he? He didn't serve two full terms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just resurrect him. It'll be fine. Yeah, there, there we go. Can I go? Can I Abraham guess? Lincoln, 2020. Can I go second, yeah. Steve? Because yeah, I don't want mine ahead. to just like kill the vibe on the show. I would like to. I would like to talk to Jesus. Okay, that was going to okay. be my original answer, honestly. <laughs> and I just like to like generally ask his opinions on like spirituality and what does he actually think? Because I feel like I feel like not everything that we read is like what he had in mind. So I'd like to know mm-hmm. what that's all about. All right. Well, since since Steve, Lucas, would you like to make this lighter? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Satoru Iwata. All right. And if Thank he you, could Steve. change, if he could change any one thing from his career, what would it be? Oh, that's interesting. What do you think he? Okay. Okay. Follow up question. What do you think he would say? Please say the Wii U. Please say the Wii U. Please say the Wii U. She'd be like, the Wii. <laughs> I never liked the waggle. Oh, God. All right. Well, 
Thank you guys for asking those questions. As always, relatively cheap. I think it's like two or three, three bucks a month. You can ask us three. questions too. So get on our Patreon and do that. We like our questions. And these ones are actually really entertaining. So um, We'll be right back. We're going to talk about Change the System, which mostly just means we're going to talk about Zelda. I'm sure we'll throw some other stuff in there. So I will. Be right back. You've heard the amazing produced show we have. You've never seen the stuff that we actually do when we record. You can do that every Wednesday night at twitch.tv slash radio. And we're back with Change the System. It's that part of the show where we change the system. By that I mean we talk about games that we've been playing, and that's the whole thing. Um, Steven, since you laughed at me more than Justin, why don't you go first? Well, I think you and I need to tag team something. Um, I think the first thing we should start with is Link's Awakening, since I know that uh, you and I have both been playing the crap out of it, and I'm sure Justin has questions for us. Um, I see you, nope. just not... Yeah. The, okay. I, well, this is actually one of those rare cases where I'm avoiding as many spoilers as possible, so... You might want to take out your headphones for a few minutes, then. I mean, I've yeah. played the original Link's Awakening, as long as we're not oh, talking good, about Oh, good, then things. you've played this game. But Lucas will be talking about the Dampay thing, so you can tune out for that point. Um, that's neither here or there. It's mostly but, like stuff that they've ch- changed in the main story that I'm trying to avoid. Okay, well, let's yeah, go let's, through spoilers um, then. There are none. That was fun. Okay. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, I mean, in terms of in terms of things that are different, there's a lot more secret she- yeah. seashells to collect. Mm-hmm. That's kind of and it. and heart pieces. There was more and, heart pieces too. Yeah, more more things to to find and do. More of a mm-hmm. satisfying 100 percent experience. But that's so. About it. So, Steve, why don't you tell us... You you were the first one to finish it. I believe you had a 24-hour Link's Awakening challenge goal. Did you meet that? Did you succeed? No, no, I did not, because I was exceptionally tired on Friday. Way to make me a liar, Steve. I know, right? Well, that was was just it. I had the challenge, and I didn't meet my own challenge. So I didn't make you a liar. I just didn't meet my goal. Okay. By which I made you a liar. Um, But regardless, I had it pre-ordered through Best Buy so I could get the Dreamer Edition. And I realized on Wednesday that it was shipping to my house. And I'm like, well, crap. That means I'm not going to be able to play it um, as early as I thought. Because I knew it wouldn't come till mid-Friday afternoon. Does that mean you were going to try to play it at work? (laughs) Maybe, yeah, I was. Um, My boss doesn't listen to the show, it's fine. Hopefully our CIO doesn't. Hi, Mike, if you're watching. Um, (laughs) So... Yeah, so I had it pre-ordered, didn't realize I had it shipped by mistake, so I was like, well, crap, now what am I going to do? So, oh, this brings me to a story I haven't told on the show yet. Um, Walmart leaked the uh, Link Amiibo. They sold it like a week early, and when I found out, what did I do? I immediately rushed to my local Walmart to buy myself not the one Link Amiibo that I pre-ordered, but the two, because I decided since it was Link's Awakening, I wanted an inbox one to sit on my desk. So I have my one behind the chair that you can't see, and then I've got one on my desk at work that's new in box. Um, so then I got reports a couple days later that Walmart, among other retailers, had leaked the actual game early. So immediately I got in my car, I drove down to Walmart, and I saw the spot on the shelf where Link's Awakening was along with Nino Kuni. They had 
two spots for Nino Kuni and two spots for Link's Awakening. And I said to him, I'm like, yeah, I just wanted to pick up a copy of Link's Awakening. And he's like, oh, yeah, we just got in trouble and we're told to take that off the shelves. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, um, they can't, can't, can't blame a game for trying. quite a bit for a breaking street date. <laughs> well, I'm sure they did over the Amiibos because, you know, they had removed everything in the two days it had been since I got my Amiibo. The Amiibos were off the shelf and both games were off the shelf, but you could see all the stickers where they had been. Um, so yeah, so that was, I think, Tuesday night that I tried to go get that game after I had picked up the Amiibo on Sunday or Saturday. I can't remember. It might've been Saturday. Um, so then I, I ended up preloading the game because a friend of mine was willing to buy my cartridge so I could keep all the Dreamer Edition stuff. Um, so he's going to buy my cartridge and I preloaded the game. And so I started playing Thursday night at 10.30. Got as far as the end of the second dungeon. I finished the second dungeon. And that was everything I did Thursday night. Friday night, I passed out, so I didn't play it at all on Friday. And then I stayed up all night Saturday until I beat it. I think I started playing at like 6 or 7 o'clock Saturday night. And finished it at about 2.30 or 3 a.m. on Sunday morning. So, and when I say finished it, I don't have all the heart containers, and I am missing seven shells, but I did get the level two sword, um, I, I took the red tunic from the color dungeon, and, you know, I finished the game. And it was everything I remembered it being, very much like uh, the Ocarina of Time remake on the 3DS was everything you remember, and not a whole lot more than that. Um, that's very much how this game felt for me. It was everything as I remembered it, but it looked prettier. Yeah, I could um, I could flash back to memories of playing the Game Boy game, like as I was playing this, and like almost in my head, I could like see it in two D, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things I was really surprised by is when you're in the overworld. At least when you're in the dungeons, it's mostly like top down, like what you'd expect. But when you're in the overworld. The camera is tilted at such an angle that it's like you're playing a 3D game. But you're controlling it in a top... It doesn't feel weird to control him or anything. But the angle that you've got is so tilted that it's like... it's it's It doesn't feel like an old-fashioned 2D game, you know? It feels like a, a 3D experience. So. Right. I was really <clears throat> thankful for that. Almost like the game should have been released on the 3DS. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but it could it could never have looked this beautiful as the thing. I right. mean, this game is. I mean, it gorgeous. I mean, it might have had a better frame rate. Dude, it's so and pretty. That's the thing. For as much as people are complaining about the frame rate, it's minimal to not even noticeable. Yeah, I I've, mean, I like, see I see more frame rate skips in Hyrule Warriors. Than yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm picking on it, but honestly, like right. when you first walk out of walk out into the open world for like maybe a second or so, you can clearly see the frame rate stutter, and beyond that, it's barely noticeable. Yeah, um, I wouldn't have even known that was an issue that people had brought up if you hadn't just mentioned it. I didn't notice a thing when I played. So yeah. uh, here's something weird that that I've kind of discovered about it because you know I've played the original. A handful of times at least. Um, and, you know, the original Link's Awakening was very, um, very simple, like, 
um, you know, just like everything that fits onto a Game Boy screen, that's a screen. And then you move to the edge and it scrolls over like, you know, Zelda games are known to do. In the Switch version, it's not like that. Of course, if you've seen any of the footage or whatever, you know it's all completely open from the uh, uh, overworld to the dungeons and whatnot. Everything's just, you know... Some, you put like not some the, dungeons not do dungeons. use that fixed perspective. <clears throat> yeah, some, the overworld, so, but not the dungeons. Well, alright. The dungeons do, but not as restrictive as it was. Because right. um, I just... I just finished the first dungeon and there is a room at least at least one section of it where they took probably about six rooms from the Game Boy version and combined them into one. What's weird about this and I noticed this in uh Mabe Village. Um you know off to the far right the right above the trendy game there's that field with the grass and the and the bushes uh-huh. that most people usually farm rupees in. Uh-huh. What's weird is I noticed that these, even though it's an open open world through the whole thing, they're still treated like separate like sections. Yeah. So if yeah, you so clear respawn. Yeah. So if you clear out all the grass over here and then move over there, this grass is regrown. You go back to do that, and this and the grass over here that's just off frame has regrown. And it was weird to me that like it was open world but still had all of the elements of of you know the sectional world and i find that a bit jarring in the dungeons where like for example you have to defeat all the enemies in a room to make a chest appear or a key drop but you don't know where the limits of the room are because it doesn't scroll that way um it's not really a complaint i hadn't thought of that i didn't notice that at all when i played I mean, it's not really a complaint. Um, it's you know, I prefer the more of an sm- observation. Yeah, it's it's just kind of weird to be like, okay, well, I've entered a room and there's clearly a key hidden somewhere in this room, but I don't know what constitutes a room. And those of you who are listening to this and not watching the live feed, I'm doing all sorts of like weird framing things with my hands because he looks I'm like trying Madonna. to what. <laughs> you look like Madonna. <laughs> I'm trying to like that's what my brain is trying to do is put the squares around mm-hmm. these open worlds so that I can see where they are. Um, the game is gorgeous. Um, mm-hmm. and everybody who was complaining about oh I hate the way the game looks, it's it's Wind Waker all over again. It's like yeah. Link can look like a you know gritty, realistic young adult. Link can also look like a little toy of a child it's you know it's whatever fits the game and this fits this game and especially you know the plot of the game um it really works to the favor of the plot um i love that you can now uh walk diagonally i mean you always could walk diagonally but you can now point your sword diagonally your sword and shield are always out um yeah your hook shot your bomb all that stuff yeah everything's everything's just you know just a little bit smoother and more streamlined um i can't wait to meet weird mr right um yeah i mean i've only played a couple of hours of the game but i'm loving it i mean do we want to discuss the price (laughs) um we could i had a i had a question for you guys though 
All right. Um, I have a certain way that I play that game. I beat the first two dungeons. I get the bow and arrow. I go through the color dungeon. I get the tunic, and then I play the rest of the game. Um, do you guys have a way that you that you play Link's Awakening like that? That you have to do it like that every time, or am I just the crazy one? Honestly, and I think you... I've only ever played the DX version twice, once on Game Boy Color and once on 3DS, so I don't think I have a specific pattern. Um, okay. I've played the original at least a few times, but... Yeah, I've also only played it like three times now, okay. so... <laughs> so yeah, yeah, there's really so no because like I didn't they, know you could enter the uh, color dungeon that early in the game. So yeah, the only thing so, you need is the magic, the magic powder, and the bow and arrow. Okay. Hmm, that's weird because I did the color dungeon without the bow and arrow. Um, you can. Well, and I've done harder. the, and I usually you know the couple of times I played the game, I seem to remember doing the color dungeon, like at least halfway through the game. So. I didn't know you could get in that soon. So my experience with Link's Awakening um, was I got the game at midnight, but I waited until Friday to play it because my roommate either is or was a Zelda nut. I don't know if she's kind of out of that phase now because she didn't seem quite as um, taken with this game as she used to be with like some of the old Zelda games. But, um, but yeah, we played that together. Um, I got through my file, I made it to the third dungeon, then I did the color dungeon, um, and yeah, I, uh, I had a good time, I really liked it, I played it for the night. Um, well then I wanted to play it some more on my own, but she was busy doing other stuff, so I didn't want to play on the file that we had started together, so I started a second file. And I figured, what the heck, I was kind of bored just playing through the regular game anyway, I'll play on hero mode. So I did that. Um, and my second night, which would have been Saturday night, I made it just as far in hero mode as I did in the original. So I got through three dungeons, I did the color dungeon again, and this time I got the blue tunic instead of the red tunic, because on hero mode you have half, uh, well yeah, technically you have like half as many hearts. So I went with the uh, blue tunic to kind of minimize damage on that. Um, I have since finished the game. I actually, um, on Tuesday, I kind of napped right after work, so I had a lot of energy. So I stayed up pretty much all night, and I finished the game. I got a very little sleep on uh, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, I don't even know. Monday morning it would have been. Um, and yeah, I, I played through the game. I got all 50 secret seashells. I am missing two heart pieces to have all the heart containers. And then I'm going on a quest for the um, keystones or whatever they're called that I need for Dompe's Shack. Mm -hmm. um, the difference is when I was kind of stalling for time for a while, um, and Steve, you can be a witness to this because, you know, mm -hmm. you were there for it. I, um, I got really into the custom dungeon making. So the first mm -hmm. time I picked it up, I tried it. I was like, this isn't great. And I just kind of put it down and that was the end of it. But, that, um, was, that was my experience with it, too. I did one thing, and I'm like, I'm over it. Yeah, but um, I kind of appreciate it. It's, a, it's an opportunity to just keep playing a good game, you know? It's not, it's not like as customizable as Mario Maker. It's not going to give you an immense feeling of pride when you finish a level, but it's fun, you know? And um, if you like Zelda dungeons and you like going through them, it's a good time. 
Um, so I started building other dungeons. I got really into it during the one that you have to build in the shape of a bomb because I had a bunch of pieces that were all bomb-related, like, you know, the Henox mid-boss battle. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of some of the others, like cracked walls and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I started, um, I started building, like, a dungeon that was actually themed after, like, the bomb motif that I was building around. And, like, you know, I was able to do it. And then I unlocked the thing that makes you drop bombs from the ceiling. And um, it's, it's fun. There's, there's a lot to it. And I could see it being a lot of fun if you had, like, a friend and you were in, like, middle school or something. And it was like, hey, let's trade Amiibos and play over the weekend and try each other's dungeons kind of stuff. So but, here's, um, here's what I need you to do, Lucas. I need you to get one of those Amiibo, those little um, round chip things like Eugene and I have that let you write yeah. your own Amiibo. You need to get you need to get a backup of your amiibo file. You need to email it to me, and then I'll load it onto my little chip thing, and then I can play your dungeon that way. Well, because that's go. what we have to do to make this work. Because they couldn't do online sharing, because yeah. they're ridiculous. Oh, God. I didn't realize Ooh. you couldn't do online sharing. That's no. It, the that only way ridiculous. you can share a dun yeah, the only way you can share a dungeon is through a Zelda amiibo. <laughs> like only the Zelda series ones work. Sorry, Lucas, you can keep going. No, that's good. Um, so, God, what was I even going to say after that? Oh, so um, now I'm more or less done with the challenges from Dompe. I still have all the... Um, so you do level 1, level 2, level 3, and then you get the gold shovel challenges. I haven't done any of those yet because they look horrid. But um, So the, how many um, challenges do you think there are based on what you've seen? Because you've seen more of it than anybody I know. 40 or 50, not counting the ones that you can just make yourself freelance. That's actually um, pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, and, you know, the cool thing about this one is, unlike unlike Mario Maker, which is like, um, you know, it, it's, it's like full creativity and make whatever you want. But what you make might be a broken mess. In this game, it's like, hey, very limited creativity, and you might not be able to make exactly what you want. But the cool thing is how the dungeons all come together. So it's like you can just like throw panels together. And as long as you have more keys than uh, locked doors and all the doors lead to another door, they're all going to work. And it's just it's fascinating to me how they were able to build. It's, it's almost like an idiot proof version of Mario Maker. You know, you're never going to come across like an unfair level or something like that. It's just it's it's just Zelda dungeon and it, uh, it it works really well. So I've unlocked four of the add-ons that you can use in the dungeons. Um, I've got the one that rains hearts, the ones that rains rupees, the one that rains bombs that I mentioned, and I unlocked a wall master, which is pretty cool. Do you have the one that rains men? I'm not yet working on that one. Hallelujah. I believe that was, I believe that was one of our bad game descriptions, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the, the wall master one is really cool, and I'm really looking forward to when I get a um, Link's Awakening amiibo, getting to do the Shadow Link thing, because I think mm -hmm. that'll be a lot of fun. So yeah, no, it's it's a fun time. I've got a couple of dungeons that I really like that I want to like keep memorized to be like, hey, if I'm ever bored, I can play these, you know, because it's just extra stuff to do. But right. at some point, I'll probably go back and try to 100% Link's Awakening, because I like 100%ing Zelda games, as you may have noticed from my Breath of the Wild playthrough. But um, did you 100% Hyrule Warriors? Nope, I wanted to at one point, but then I watched Steve do it, and I realized, oh. That's a lot of my life I have to train away for this. <laughs> I still need to finish that game. 
So I'm just vicariously enjoying it through Steve at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no. Yeah, it's, you're, it's you're a... the only one that doesn't cringe when those two words are said. <laughs> I um, No, I love Tyrell Warriors, man. I've, I've easily put probably like 400 hours into it across versions, not quite your level of dedication. But um, but um, no, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by Link's Awakening at um, how badly I wanted to 100% it. When I picked it up and I started playing and I thought, you know, oh, this will be fun. This will be nice. It feels good to have like a legitimate Zelda experience on the Switch that isn't just like Zelda 1. Because for the longest time, that's all we had. Um, it feels good to be 100%ing another Zelda game. It's, it's, a, it's an addictive game. You know, there's 50 secret seashells strewn all across the map. Some of them are incredibly cheap. I needed Steve's help to get them. <laughs> But um, but it's uh, it's a good game, and I'm really happy with it. So I've had a lot of fun with it. I only wish it was longer, but you know, hopefully the Oracle games will fix that next year. Well, so. I I guess then now's a good time to talk about the elephant in the room that Justin brought up earlier. Mm-hmm. The price. Oh, oh I... yeah. Um, it's yeah. Like I, I know there's surprisingly not as much, but there's a bit of controversy about the fact that this is a sixty dollar game. And it is a port of a 25-year-old Game Boy game. Well, with... no, it's not port a port. Is a, it's, a, port is, it's a remake. It's a right. remake port from is, the ground up. And, and there's quite a, certainly quite a bit of work put into the art style and, and whatnot. But um, number one, like they didn't, as Steve has pointed out, they didn't redesign anything for this game. It wasn't a built-from-the-ground-up remake of the game. This was, we're going to take everything that was in the Game Boy game and make it look prettier and then re-release it. Which is um, exactly what I want from my well, design. Right. Yes, and I'm happy with that, but that means that the actual design um, and layout aspect of the game didn't need to be done. So there's several hours, man-hours worth of work that they didn't have to do. Also... This game can really be completed in a, a long afternoon, um, which, you know, again, it was a Game Boy game. That's what it was supposed to do. You didn't have that much time to play them, and, you know, it was on the go. But, like, this is, like, I I think the only reason, there, I, I can think of two reasons this game is $60. Number one, because Nintendo knew that people would pay $60 for a new Zelda game regardless of whether it was Breath of the Wild or Ocarina of Time or whatnot. They just knew it was going to sell, especially on the Switch. And number two, because they don't really have the 3DS anymore, so they don't have that lower price point of games. And this is kind of what I feared what would uh, what would happen with the Switch. <clears throat> I was hoping the Switch would come out and they would phase out the 3DS and then they would have the smaller 2D Zelda games priced at about $40 that would fill the gap that the 3DS games used to back in you know when that was the popular system and then you'd have the big Breath of the Wild Ocarina of Time whatever $60 Zelda games that would come out and we're not getting that everything's $60 and and I don't think this game should have been $60, and I certainly shouldn't have paid $60 for it. I really wanted to play it, and so I'm one of those suckers, and I guess mm-hmm. I should, you know, I, I, 
I guess I'm kind of putting my foot in my mouth, but I mean, I don't, I don't like this direction of of Nintendo basically going along with the rest of the industry and saying, yeah, sure, we'll release like a kind of a half-assed game for full price and the the difference. See, see this, this may is. I? <laughs> I, well, let let me get a jab in first, and then you may. Um, this is where I disagree a little bit because unlike Donkey Kong Country where you got to play as one new character where it was an easy mode I feel like they've added enough to this game to merit the extra $20 that a standard port if you will would the dungeon maker is a lot more robust when I realized I mean there's 50 levels right there and to be fair I haven't delved into that so I don't know They've got 10 extra seashells. I think they've got roughly 20 extra hearts. It's somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, plus the amount of work they had to do on the engine. They really didn't have anything when they started this game. Except for a map and a character roster. Everything else is built from the ground up. So in this case, I feel like it is okay to remaster it. Had they just taken ocarina of time 3d thrown labo support on it and up it and charged 60 dollars for that that would probably piss me off if they charged yeah. more than 40 dollars for that re- remaster that would be upsetting but with as much as they did for this one i actually think the price point's okay what about you lucas um, well, first of all, and this could have just been a slip of the tongue or you know i'm not going to dwell on the fact but i do object to the the phrasing of it being half-assed because they clearly put a lot of love into this game okay yeah but, I, I mean i and, and i kind of regretted that that when i when i said it because it is it, it's a beautiful game it plays exceptionally well performance issues notwithstanding and they're minimal um but i mean when i say half-assed i mean like you could pay six if you if you just got a switch and you want then you want a new Zelda game experience. You could pay $60 for Link's Awakening, a game you can finish in a, on average about 10 hours and then have some extra bonus stuff to do afterwards. Or you could pay the exact same amount for Breath of the Wild, a game that can easily eat up 100, 200 hours, you know, and have a huge, expansive 3D rendered world with a completely new and original you know game behind it i mean it just seems like when you put the two of them next to each other the value of link's awakening is significantly less so not not to not to say it's not a good game but right i had a good conversation with a couple of our listeners i believe it was brian and um andy although i could be mistaken on that if it's but Colt, it, he's going to be so mad at you. <laughs> it really, it, it really, yeah, it could, it could have been Colt too. Um, but I, I think I, Andy was the one that was primarily talking to me, and he's the one that I'm kind of going to be quoting here. So sorry, guys. Um, but I've kind of come to the realization that a game is worth what you're willing to pay for it. Um, I, I was talking to them about the pricing of games and specifically i I think you were there too steve if i'm not mistaken yeah um specifically i was talking about the price of indie games because something i think a lot about as i'm working on my game is 
how much am I going to sell this for when it's done, you know? You, you sell it for too little and people don't think you put much work into it because you're selling it cheap. Look at the stuff we review on bad game descriptions. You sell it for too much and people won't buy it. You know, how do you determine the value of your game? Yeah, I'm going to hold that thought because I'm, I'm going to interrupt <laughs> for a second. It, it reminds me of that game Membrane that I reviewed a long time ago. When it came out and when I reviewed it, it was priced at $10. And it's a good game. And if you like the kind of game, it is worth $10. If you want to give it a try, maybe $5. But lately it's been on sale for like a dollar. And I'm afraid nobody's buying it now because they think it's crap. And it's not crap. Well, one thing <laughs> that I've heard from them is that um, apparently games are selling really well when they're sold really cheap. And one of the things that indie developers are doing now is selling their games at a really cheap discount, getting on the best-selling page, and then selling the game for regular price again. And that's a way that they're marketing their games on the Nintendo Switch. Um, but it, it did kind like. of... It did kind of... Um, I have no problem with it. But it did kind of bring to mind the idea that a game is worth what you and other consumers are willing to pay for it. Um, in the case of a game like Link's Awakening... They're selling it for $60. If the game performs poorly and nobody buys it, you know that they'll have to bump it down in price, but people seem to be willing to pay $60 for the game. And, and I think that in and of itself makes it worth $60. I'm, I'm kind of sick of the argument that a game is worth a certain amount of money because of either the dev time that went into it or the amount of... A big one that I hear a lot is the amount of time that you get out of a game. I think a game is worth $60 if you feel it's worth $60. And if it's not, then you don't buy it. And, and that's kind of the end point. And I fully uh, agree with that. And and in like 99 games out of 100, you know, they come out, they're $60. People buy them or they don't. A few months later, the prices drop. People buy them or they don't. And then eventually, you know, you can get them for 20 bucks. Nintendo doesn't do that. This game is going to be $60 until probably the last year of the Switch's life. And, well, and there's a reason Nintendo doesn't do that. Yeah, their unless, games are popular and their games sell well. And that makes their games worth Walmart $60. For 50. One yeah. thing that Nintendo has never done that I don't think we really congratulate them on is they never tried to make that move where people were starting to price their games at $70. Yeah. Nintendo feels their games are worth $60 a piece, so they sell them at that. And Well, yeah, and another thing not... Nintendo doesn't typically do is release a game for $60 and then throw $40 worth of DLC on top of it saying, if mm -hmm. you really want the full game, you got to spend the 100 bucks. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy that they don't do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's it's the kind of thing where I think it, it's worth sixty dollars if you make it worth sixty dollars. Clearly, in this case, I think the price was justified because all three of us bought it. You know, yeah. admittedly to some to some chagrin, but I think I think that's just kind of where it sits. And honestly, the the amount of love that went into this game, just like playing through it and seeing how much care they put into all the character designs and remastering everything making it feel so close to the original when you know they had to build it on an entirely new engine. I, I think it, it deserves some praise. I don't think it's necessarily mm -hmm. easier to build a game just because the game had already been built once before and you're having to build it from the ground up using that old game as a template. In some ways, I think that's harder because if you mess one thing up, like Majora's Mask, for example, um, there's a game that I absolutely loved, and I think it was Grezzo, who I think worked on this game and Ocarina yep, of Time. It was. You know, they've clearly got a pedigree. But Majora's Mask to me is the game that flopped because they changed so many little things about it 
that for a, a purist like me that grew up with that game and put hundreds of hours into it, I was dissatisfied at the end content. Now, if that game was its own thing, and they had just developed it from the start, and there was no original Majora's Mask, I'd probably like it. But they have that, that extra hurdle that they have to jump when they're developing something that's already existed, that not only do they have to please new people who are coming in to play the game, they have to please the people like you and Steve who have played this game hundreds of times before. So if, if they screw anything up, it's, it, I think it's harder than building a game from scratch. You've got to make a game well, that's perfect and that hits people's nostalgia exactly. And that brings me to another point, um, the music. The music Ooh. is so well done in this game, for the most it, part. It fits the 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 visuals perfectly. Can yeah. we can my, we talk about Animal Village? <laughs> yeah, let me let me real oh, quick don't get, get that music that out stuck of there. I haven't gotten we'll there go. yet. I'm afraid of that getting stuck in my head again. Oh, it's yeah. So let me go good. the bad real quick, and then we can go the good. There's a couple songs and, in and, there. And real quick, Steve, before you uh-huh. do, I think this has to be the end of our discussion for right. Link's Awakening. Yeah, I got other is, games to talk yeah. about. This is changed well, the and system, and all too. three of us have things to talk about, so right. make your point, and then we'll move on. Um, there are a couple songs that sound way too close to Triforce Heroes, which I I can't get a, around <sighs> it on principle. <laughs> However, that being said, that's only like two or three tracks. I The, the rest of the soundtrack is phenomenal the 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 songs that stuck out to me the most the two and i know lucas already knows what i'm gonna say the music from face shrine because it's so haunting and the original dungeon theme that's remixed in the color dungeon those have got to be my two favorite songs in the game with a with an honorable mention to it's oh it's not catfish mots the dungeon right before that um I, I can't. It's, it's, I can't. It, I I can't do them by name, but dungeons yeah. four and five are really impressive. Yeah, it's it's basically the water dungeon of this game, um, where you get the flippers. Um, that music is so cool because they've got new water dungeon style music, but there's a riff in there where it is the original music every, from the game. Every every dungeon, every dungeon has that. That's what's so amazing about the dungeon music. Is that what it is? It. Every dungeon has bits of that original. I, and, I forget what it. And all I'm, I can think of is all I can think of is the eighth dungeon in Zelda. Yeah. So I'm going da 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 da. But but every yeah. dungeon has that and, that riff from and I, the game. And I'm Boy talking dungeon. not even like the notes. Yeah, yeah, not even so much that the notes are there. It's clips of the oh. original sound, like, oh, like clips the original of the Game oh, Boy sound. Like, uh, oh, that's 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 what I mean, Lucas. I didn't notice that in all of the dungeon themes. But I know, and I'll get you names later, but whatever the water one is, it's Dungeon 3 or 4, I forget. There is a short clip of the actual dungeon music from the original game mixed in with the new music. Yeah, no, the thing that I found so inspiring when I was playing through them was that all of the dungeons have, not not the original, but they all have, they're, they're like a, 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 God, I don't even know if this is the right word, but like a disambiguation, that's not even a mm-hmm. word. They're they're all they're all like a, a tearing apart and a reorchestrating of the original deconstruction theme that used right. to play. In, yeah, you could say that. In in each, you know, that that one mm-hmm. dungeon theme that played in like every level. This one is like you know a little bit of yeah. each of that. So it's really um, it's really interesting. All right. Well, Steve, you were going yeah. first, and we just spent like thirty minutes talking about Link's Awakening. That's so. that's okay. We have plenty of time tonight. It's been a short show so far. <laughs> And it's still I'm sure only our listeners feel the same way. 
Um, so yeah, so games, sorry for the background switch noises. The games that I have been playing this week beyond The Legend of Zelda is not much, believe it or not. The only other game I've played this week is Tetris, 90, Tetris 99. <laughs> Excuse me, they did another Maximus Cup. They gave away a Kirby theme if you got 100 points. I think I got it in like 20 minutes to half an hour, I forget. But man, right. so I remember, I know, humble brag. Um, I remember a conversation, Lucas, between you and I, not long after Tetris 99 came out, because um, yeah. I think, if I remember right, it launched last year with the Switch, the, the Switch Online subscription. Does that ring a bell? I think so. Sounds and I, right. rem- I remember putting it in my contenders for Game of the Year that year. Mm-hmm. And I vividly remember you saying, when you stop playing Tetris 99, I'm going to mock you. Yeah. I'm back to playing Tetris 99. I play it almost Ugh. every single day. even And I think that's actually why I didn't play Link's Awakening on Friday night, was because I wanted to get the Maximus Cup out of the way and get my Kirby theme. Um, but I am actually proud to announce that I have hit 25 hours in Tetris 99. Um, to give you an idea, 25 hours is the same amount of time I put into Smash Brothers. So I have... And that's more time than I put into Mario Maker 2. I put 20 hours in Mario Maker 2. God, I put so, 5 hours into Tetris 99. Yeah, I probably put about 5 week. hours into Super Smash Brothers. So I've put <laughs> 380 hours into Super so. Smash Brothers. But I have guys, nobody to play with, so, you know. Neither do I! <laughs> so, the reason I've been hooked again on Tetris 99, and I don't think I've talked about this since I was last on the show is those daily challenges. They have a daily challenge that came out in the last update where there are two challenges that are online challenges that you have to do in Tetris 99 battles. And then there's two offline challenges that you could do in the DLC. One of them usually takes place you versus computers. The other one usually takes place in marathon mode. And I have learned things about Tetris that I have seen before that I had no idea what to do. Like, I've since learned what a T-spin is and what a mini T-spin is. Just from doing these challenges, I've learned how to do them. I still don't do them in regular play. Um, But I've learned what they are and how they work. And that's just from doing these challenges. Um, You get four challenges a day, and if you complete it, it's worth a ticket. And every 15 tickets you collect, there's more themes you can unlock. Uh, Most of those themes... And this is all stuff you can get without paying actual money? Yes, yep, yep. you can do two of the challenges in Tetris 99 battles without paying any money for DLC. In order to do the offline stuff, you have to have purchased the DLC. So you can earn tickets without buying the DLC, but you can only earn them half as fast. And the themes can be purchased with those tickets whether you own the DLC or not. And those challenges have me coming back almost every night just to get my four tickets for the day. So... so do you mind yeah. if I cut in? No, go ahead. Go again? ahead. Um, so this is one of those areas, again, where, um, a- again, I was talking to a patron slash listener slash friend, and this time it was Brian. Um, and one thing that the two of us have in common that I, we differ with you on is that um, we like our Tetris to be kind of a solitary experience. I, I very oh, yeah. much... this conversation. Yeah, I um I play the online battles when I have to, but it's not like fun for me. 
it's just like, okay, you know, and once I get up to like top 15, top 10, I'm like, oh boy, maybe I'll win this time. But like, it's just, it's just Tetris with extra damage. It's Tetris, but harder. Like I very Which much I like love. Tetris. I love yeah, it. See, see, I like Tetris to be a thing. I'll go into endless mode and I'll play for like 40 minutes, you know, and like, that'll be my, my Tetris experience. So the whole reason I'm playing the daily challenges is because I want to have like Link or Mario in the background while I'm doing them. And I, I just I'm playing it mostly just for standard vanilla Tetris, you know. But yeah, yeah. you're you're very different from me in that regard. You actually like uh-huh. the competitive side of Tetris. Which... Yeah, see, I still play. Uh, I can't remember the name of the one that came out on the 3DS, but I still play that sometimes just because I want to play was Tetris. That, was that Tetris Party, the DSiWare game, or was it that other Tetris? Uh, no, it was the, the one, one for that had 3DS. The AR mode. Okay. Oh, yeah, that was the one with the AR mode. I forget what that one was called. I've owned all of them, though. Yeah, but, I mean, that's one of those things where, you know, I bought it and still play it just for the sake of playing Tetris because it's one of the best versions of Tetris. So I suppose these challenges might be a way for me to actually play some Tetris 99 because I've played Tetris 99 in, you know, standard battle royale mode a few times and it didn't really do anything right. for me but right you know maybe these challenges would be enough to have me jump in you know a couple times a day give it a shot you get four new challenges each day they reset at midnight local time well you get um, two yeah you guys get two i get four i um, get four Remember? Oh I, yeah, you, oh yeah, that's right. Because you didn't realize you bought the DLC. Yeah, yeah, fun story for that. I hadn't played Tetris ninety nine in like a year, and then I boot it up, and I'm like, oh, I thought all this stuff was paid DLC. And Steve's like, it is, and I'm like, well, I guess I bought that when it came out. <laughs> so, so, I know we're running long, especially me. I have one more thing I want to talk about real quick. Um, one thing I haven't talked about on the show yet is my switch version 2 2.0 whatever the hell you want to call it i've never actually said anything about it on the show um a lot of people are wondering there's two big changes with it compared to the old one it's got double the battery life in most cases and it does have a slightly brighter screen um for anyone wondering i did do a side by side not a video side by side but I took mine to work, um, Hellhound in our Discord brought his to work, and we booted up Minecraft using the same texture pack. The screen on this, on the newer Switch is brighter, and it is bright enough to where it makes it easier to see in direct sunlight. So the screen is noticeably brighter. Um, As somebody who never goes out in direct sunlight, that does nothing for me, but the battery thing maybe. Or if you're playing in cars. Um, as far as the battery goes, it is noticeable. Um, I played Link's Awakening start to finish on this Switch, and it is noticeable how much longer the battery life is. It feels like the 3DS felt when you didn't have the 3D on and you had the brightness down. You're never really worrying about your battery dying on the Switch, uh, on the new version like I was. Um, cause that was a problem I ran into regularly cause I carry my switch with me everywhere. Um, you know, and especially being a player of Hyrule Warriors, Hyrule Warriors is known for battery drain. Um, even playing Hyrule Warriors on this switch, I was still able to get about three and a half to four hours out of it. 
which is quite a bit more time as even as Lucas can attest to playing a Warriors game on this on the Switch in handheld you're lucky if you can get an hour and a half so <laughs> if you're on the fence about it and you do want the longer battery life of the newer Switch do yourself a favor and buy it so definitely uh, worth the money I'm considering it but because I figured I'd get one for myself and give the kids the old one because they mm-hmm. mostly play that on the TV anyway. But, you know, they also want VR. So since that's something we don't already have in the house, that's probably what my money's yeah. going towards. So, yeah, so I know I talked for forever, partially because we had a discussion, but that is my change to system. Um, I've got to... You can edit this out. <laughs> I've got to put cream on my cat. So, Lucas, if you want to... Go next. I'm up. All right. Well, um, yeah, my change the system is actually pretty short. I don't really have much to talk about. Um, the one game that I played other than Link's Awakening to any degree was a couple of nights ago, uh, Phantom and I booted up God Eater 3 again, and we played some of that. Um, I really like God Eater. I think it's a really fun game. I think it, it was interesting to me how... We were playing, and I was like, okay, I'll play till 2 o'clock. And then all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, it's 2 o'clock! Like, that... It it goes quick, even though the matches are a lot faster than Monster Hunter. Um, It's not... It's not as addictive as Monster Hunter. It doesn't have quite the same appeal in that you're not really that worried about, like, you know, fighting monsters to level up your gear and stuff. That all just kind of seems to happen naturally as you play. It's very much a Monster Hunter Lite kind of game. But to that point, it's it's still a lot of fun. And the whole, like, fighting with other people kind of thing makes it really good, too. So I'm having fun with that game. I'm hoping we keep playing it. Um, I, I think we're decently far in at this point, honestly. Um, my biggest criticism of it, I think, is that unless you're, like, finished with the story, it's kind of a heavy grind of a game um you're, there's a lot of sitting through cutscenes. so play with somebody who's equally comfortable making fun of all the cutscenes as you are as you just kind of wait for them to end i mean you can't all just skip it but there's something to be said for wanting to see what's going on in the game that you're playing you know so it's it's a good game i like it a lot i i'm sure it would be a lot of fun to play if it was a little more monster huntery as it is, it's still a solid title. I like it. It's kind of making me want to try Damon X Machina, honestly. But um, I guess we'll see what happens with that. That's probably a pretty far ways off. So That's kind of all I've got to say, really. Not really that much to go off of other than that. So, Justin? Well, I actually have a new game to talk about. Well, it's not really a new game per se. It's a new game for me. It's a new game for Switch. And it's a new game for Nintendo. Um... I bought Castle Crashers Remastered. Um, and it's funny because I didn't have this on the Xbox 360 when it first came out and was a huge popular phenomenon. <clears throat> but funnily enough, my kids uh, came back from their biological father's house raving about this game, Castle Crashers, that they played. And do you have Castle Crashers? I'm like, 
I think I might have a demo for it on my Xbox, which is not hooked up down here. Oh, can we play it? And I'm like, eh. And at this point, I already knew Castle Crashers was coming on the Switch, so I just kind of dodged the question for a while. And then I went ahead and bought it when it came out on uh, on the Switch, and it's it's good fun. I mean, it's basically, you know, your old side-scrolling 2.5D beat-em-up games like you know, Konami used to make, you know, hundreds of back in the 90s, um, except, you know, designed more for long-term play with, you know, experience points and leveling up and and getting new gear and stuff like that. Um, I don't really know what to say about it because I've only played a handful of levels, but it's good fun and, you know, it's definitely good... Uh, I'm almost positive there's online co-op because I'm pretty sure the original had online co-op way back in the day. But uh, I'm playing it with my two kids sitting in the living room together, and that's good fun too. So um, it's one of those one of those great one of those games that it's just perfect for a Nintendo system because it's just made for sitting on the couch with friends or family, and you know having a competitive cooperative experience um besides that uh played some pokin tournament haven't played that in a long time that game's still fun and frustrating um <laughs> uh i don't know i just doesn't matter how good or badly i do at that game i always feel like the game's just kind of doing its own thing and not really playing by anybody's rules but its own. <laughs> um, uh, still playing Mario Kart 8 online for some reason. Just decided to play it one day and now I'm kind of hooked again. So look for me on there. Um, I've told you about my experience playing Link's Awakening. Um, been, I'm still about maybe a third of the way through Oracle of Ages on the 3DS and uh, played another level or two of Sydney Hunter and the Curse of the Mind. By the way, um, I think it's safe to announce this at this point because uh, we pretty much have this booked, but uh, one of the developers of Sydney Hunter is going to be on our show next week, so tune in for that. We'll have some... Uh, interviews with him uh and they didn't provide this game code to us i paid for it out of my own pocket but so you can trust me when i say this game is thus far definitely worth worth the price um it is good fun it's it's got a very ducktales vibe to it in you know that it's and i said this last week kind of metroidvania style um levels but they're broken up into levels so you know they're you know, you're not like wandering around lost for hours on end on that note i think we're gonna get out of here so why don't we say our goodbyes you can find me on twitter at infendo justin um and also follow infendo um eugene usually does this but he's but he's gone this week, so follow Infendo at Infendo on Twitter, and also give Eugene a follow at Infendo Eugene. I'll just do all the Infendos. Steve, where can the people find you? 
Uh, you can find me at Gentus1 on Twitter, and you can always find me in our Minecraft realm. And you can find me at chromatichue.com or at my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash chromatic underscore hue. You can find me on our Discord channel, which is also where you can find all of our lovely patrons. And I believe Justin already said it, but another shout out for poor Eugene. You can find him at Infendo Eugene when he's not editing the podcast. Um, with that, guys, we're getting out of here. Have a good night, week, day, or whatever time it is that you're listening to this show. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Ever wonder what happens when we go on break on Twitch? Well, you'll never know unless you're a member of our Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash infendoradio for the $10 level, you'll get access to everything that we cut out.